everybody. Welcome to today's One Million by One Million podcast. One M One M, as you know, is the first and only global virtual accelerator for startups in the world. We work with IT and IT-enabled services companies, and we run this out of Silicon Valley, but with a global footprint. And in support of our mission to help a million entrepreneurs reach a million dollars and beyond in annual revenue, we do these podcasts as well as a variety of other things. One of which I strongly recommend you come check out, which is our One M One M free online mentoring roundtables. And that's a working session. We'll work on your business, and we'll uh, discuss the strategy of how to put, put one foot before the other, whether it's your positioning strategy, go-to-market strategy, or funding strategy. So on that note, we're going to have today's discussion with Bernard Moon of Spark Labs Global Ventures. Bernard, welcome. Hi. Thank, thanks for having me on. So tell us about seed and early stage investing activities. Uh, sure. Um, well, so our, our fund is somewhat unique. It's a global seed stage fund. Uh, we've now invested in over 70 uh, companies across six continents. The majority still has been in the U.S. and in Silicon Valley. So about 50% of our investments have been in the U.S. And the rest sort of distributed between Europe and Asia. And how big is the fund? Uh, the first fund was 20, and we're in process of the, of the second fund, uh, targeting 100, and we have some early capital in, so we started investing out of that already. And what is the average uh, investment size? Well, fund one, um, average was over 300,000, so we do this range typically 250 to 500,000 out of fund one. Okay. And talk about stage. What, uh, and I'll preface that by saying one of the observations I have is that we are no longer in the simple or even simplistic worldview that I started my entrepreneurial journey with in the, back in the 90s where you did seed and then you did Series A. Now we are doing you know, pre-seed, seed, post-seed, pre-Series A, small Series A, and then Series A, which is really a Series B. So uh, where in that continuum do you like to play? Yeah, we really don't like to sparse out the stages. I mean, we're, we're just you know, a, a standard seed fund. It really just depends on the industry in terms of uh, what we look for and what we feel comfortable with, right? I mean, like, for, for example, like e-commerce, because that industry and vertical is mature, uh, competition is pretty fierce. And obviously also, uh, you know, way upstream you have Amazon. Um, so when we look at e-commerce at the seed stage, it, you know, we, we tend to look for companies that have or, organically already hit a million in revenues. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll look at earlier plays if it's sort of a repeat serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it just really depends. I mean, let's say for another vertical where I would say it's very competitive and the bar is really high even at the seed stage is uh, 
now consumer mobile-facing apps because, relatively speaking, that vertical is very mature. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've come across companies, they might be raising even just a million seed, and they might have, you know, over 200 to 500,000 active weekly users. And we don't look mm-hmm. at anything below a 20% retention rate. Mm-hmm. And they still have difficulty raising a million seed. If you look back like five to seven years ago, these companies would have been easily able to raise like right. a five million. I totally agree. <laughs> yes. And what about SaaS? Do you do SaaS? We do do SaaS, yeah. So, again, that bar is high also within that vertical just because we think uh, it takes uh, a lot more capital to prove it out. Obviously, companies are, you know, everyone says it's cheaper to start a company, but that's also um, a, a little sort of misconstrued because sometimes it takes a lot more capital, you know, after that to, to really prove out the product. So what are your SaaS metrics? You've given very concrete, and it's very helpful, actually. This is exactly what we are looking for, is very concrete metrics of category-wise, what are your benchmarks for a a company to qualify? So what is the SaaS metric? What is the SaaS benchmark? Um, You know, that's not my space. It's usually my other partners. So actually, I can't really say what they really look for. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. So... um, Talk about your current portfolio. What are the highlights? What are some, and it looks like you're in the B2C area. What are some of the highlights of your portfolio? Um, out of our seed fund, I mean, we, we like FinTech. We like IoT. Uh, one of our high flyers is actually in the e-commerce space. It first came out of our uh, accelerator in Seoul. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Mimibox. Um, last year, they just closed um, $126 million on their Series C. Uh, there's a company... What did they do? They initially were a subscription e-commerce company, sort of like a higher-end Birchbox. But then mm-hmm. they also shifted to regular e-commerce and then private label. Mm-hmm. So they, they cover all three. Uh, and then they also have a data component. So they've been doing very well in uh, Korea, China, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. So even in our accelerator, um, I guess we're, we're, we are considered the leading accelerator in Asia. We have a separate sort of entity there. And before they even entered our accelerator, they already hit $1.4 million in revenue. Yeah, this is actually a very interesting trend right now with some of the good accelerators like a Y Combinator or Techstars, people are coming into those accelerators with, you know, two or three years of business development before coming into the accelerator and actually getting to paying customers, revenues, and so forth. So, I mean, it begs the question, uh, what, you know, what do you need to do to get into an accelerator? And I think our guidance to our entrepreneurs is that you actually need to bootstrap to a certain level of traction before you can get into a good accelerator. There are lots of accelerators, but there, and the good accelerators require that you have traction. Yeah, like it, it really does range. So I do think there eventually over the next several years, there'll be an accelerator shakeup where really only the top two or three in each major market or certain verticals will survive. Uh, just because it's all about deal flow. Like if you look at YC, their influence has grown 
so much more, even over the past three years, mm-hmm. where you take the lion's share in Silicon Valley, and then the sort of second-tier players in Silicon Valley are, are almost left with their scraps. Yeah. Um, now you get so many companies in YC, you're right, that have that have raised like one to five million, right? That's right. Yeah, that's so right. This, yeah, so We've done very, real. very strong case studies of um, entrepreneurs who have spent two or three years before go, getting into Y Combinator or Techstars, um, and they each of them came with very concrete uh, proof points and validation, in some cases revenues, customers, everything. So, I mean, the heavy lifting of proving out a concept was done outside of those accelerators. That's right. That's right. I mean, you still get the range of bootstraps at YC. Even, um, you know, we just launched an IoT smart city accelerator in Songdo, Korea. Uh, that was our second accelerator launch. And uh, Songdo is this $35 billion smart city built from the ground up. We're the exclusive mm-hmm. partner there. And the first class even surprised us because, 16 companies, it was a global program, so 10 out of the 16 companies were non-Korean, even though it's based in Korea. Mm-hmm. Average raise before entering the program was $2.8 million. So they didn't mm-hmm. need our 50K, the average company. They just want access to like the team, the network, the know-how. Yeah. So talk about your activities in Korea. It sounds like you have a big Korea tie-in. So how, how does that work? Well, our, our approach, I mean, we half the team on Spark Labs Global Seed Fund came from our accelerator side. Uh, we launched the accelerator in the 2012, and then it's just grown uh, rapidly. I mean, I would say uh, within two years of the launch, you know, we get first look of most sort of, you know, hot or trending startups in, in Korea. But now we've mm-hmm. expanded beyond Korea where we launched Spark Labs Beijing, uh, Taipei. We just launched uh, AgTech Food Tech Accelerator uh, down, in, down near Sydney, Australia. Um, so we've grown this network of accelerators, but it's still separate from our seed fund. So our seed fund, uh, unlike some maybe other sort of accelerator fund structures, we don't do any automatic fall-on with the graduates. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of the 77 companies that have gone through the sole program, the, the first one, our global seed fund has only invested in 10 of them. Mm-hmm. So and you take, we, you also invest from the seed fund in companies that are not from the accelerator. Yeah, majority are not from the accelerator. Like I said, mm-hmm. we've invested now in about 72 from the global seed fund and only 10 were accelerator companies. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, what do you see in the deal flow? You know, you've uh, to invest in seventy-two companies. You've obviously seen probably several thousand companies. What are interesting trends that you have picked up from the deal flow? Um, so, I mean, trends. Let's see. Over the past two years, I would say definitely val- val- validate, uh, valuations have gone down, um, but. Generally, I would say the companies are stronger. So there isn't this sort of quote-unquote startup craze as much as like maybe, what is it? Maybe now is it four four or five years ago? Um, Valuations have gone down because I think the entrepreneurs have gotten smarter. Some of them have sort of, before they might have tried to get the highest valuation, but, you know, let's say if it's like they raise $1 million, 
pre of nine, pre of ten. Basically, to get your next round, you have to do metrics with that one million. Yeah, not so simple. By the, you know, the the next round and try to hit the, those milestones. Yeah. So I think a lot of companies, even YC companies, have found out that it's really hard to to raise money on that high of a valuation. Right. So I, I think it's become more reasonable. E- even our some of our accelerator graduates, we pulled them recently. If it's among two sort of similar investors, and you, and one company got a term sheet of pre of seven and pre of nine, both for like 1.5 million, we we pulled them take the pre of seven, right? Because they'll just yeah. take your life a year later. Yeah. Um, and the, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was um, asking also for trends in terms of um, you know types of businesses, uh, technology trends or business area trends. Are there any other things that you can call out? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I was going to go into that. I mean, more and more obviously, AI is hot. I mean, that's that's been a sure. trend line over the past year. Um, but we also joke around that you know 80% of the companies that we see that say they're AI, they're not. They just right. sort of put it in their business plan. It's some AI yeah, is a hot buzzword these days. Stick it in wherever you can and hope yeah, for the best. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, you know, as you sort of dig down in, in, into that space, uh, sometimes it's even hard to sort of differentiate with real AI companies because, you know, they all say they have like a unique data source, which most of them don't. It's either public access or very sort of similar data from from different places. Um, and then if the engine is pretty similar, then, you know, we joke around, it's like the 90s. It, it's just the difference between UI, UX. Yeah. Um, so you see AI, obviously we see a lot more uh, blockchain-related and crypto-related companies. Over, Would you invest over- in stuff like that? Those tend to be capital-intensive. What is your uh, take on c- crypto and blockchain? Uh, I, I think we're... We're bullish on, on blockchain plays. Um, mm-hmm. So we, yeah, actually two recent investments we've done were uh, blockchain related. Uh, just because we've seen it in Asia. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you know, the, the top four crypto markets in the world are U.S., China, Japan, Korea. So we sort of joke around and it mirrors the luxury goods markets. Since those are the top four luxury goods markets in the world. And why yeah. is that? Why why is it that those markets are um, accepting uh, crypto, well, blockchain-based technologies more uh, readily? I think it's just generally in terms of, especially in, in Asia and North Asia, you just have a lot of early adopters of technology. So while companies here are doing pilots on blockchain, et cetera, um, big companies in Asia are already just implementing it. Uh, one example is a, a company called Blocko, which is an enterprise blockchain uh, play that came out of our accelerator in 2015. Um, you know, they already closed the Series A. They have they're generating revenue with all these large companies in Korea. One example mm-hmm. is the Korean Exchange, which is a you know, uh, which is a market there. Uh, they just came out with a report that Blocko's blockchain technology saved them $73 million. Like, you don't hear of that in the U.S., that much. like, wow. uh, implementation like that. So it's pretty and what do they do? And when, they, so when you say they sell blockchain technology to the enterprises, what specifically is their value proposition to enterprises? 
Well, it, it really is just a lot of boring stuff. It's like, you know, creating efficiencies on their back end. Um, so what they did for Cree Exchange is basically improve their transaction time from two to three days to one day, right? It but sounds like were, a professional services company around blockchain. Um, I mean, it's, it's, right now, it's like early stage. It's sort of like these AI, like uh, any AI plays right now, right? A lot of it is AI man, uh, analytics. A lot of, you know, a lot of that is sort of heavy lifting consulting, like sort of like the early days of Cloudera and cloud services, right? Where 80% of the revenue might be front-end consulting, hand-holding, and implementing blockchain technology, but eventually it will become more productized. So that's mm-hmm. the way we see sort of blockchain, enterprise blockchain, and also uh, a lot of AI data plays is that right now it is early. It's like cloud computing days where initially it's a lot of uh, consulting or services up front. Yeah, okay. Have you seen exits so far? Uh, we've had just sort of flat exits um, since our, our fund now is almost four years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, n- nothing yet. We're just, uh, I guess, nice paper games, but we joke around that yeah. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to switch to um, a set of trend questions that are more industry um, overview kind of questions. Mm-hmm. First one is, how do you process the current investment climate where capital is moving further and further upstream? You know, the traditional VCs are much larger funds, and they want to put in larger amounts of money first money. So how does a seed investor, for, or an entrepreneur for that matter, mitigate the Series A gap? There's a lot more seed companies, and that seed by seed, I covered the whole spectrum of pre-seed to pre-Series A. Um, how do you mitigate the Series A gap? Um, I mean, I, I mean, to be frank, we don't see that much of a Series A gap. I mean, there's always been this Series A crunch because there's been limited, uh, limited Series A funds versus amount of seed activity. But I, I think uh, the friends. Well, that is of, the question. Series A crunch is exactly the question. Like there are, you know, if you have fifty to seventy thousand seed funded companies and twelve hundred to maximum fifteen hundred venture funded companies, there is clearly a gap. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I think over the years, though, the, the seed frenzy has died down. Um, I, I mean, I, I has it has done. it died down? We have, I mean, there are 500 plus seed funds right now. How how do you say uh, that the seed frenzy has died down? It doesn't seem to have died down. Really, I, I guess in terms of maybe like maybe I maybe companies that sort of survive and, and take the next stage. Maybe we have a skewed viewpoint because our companies are, are doing fairly decent and, and raising the A rounds. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not you sure know, the, 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 the It seems like you, you haven't really um, experienced this and, and your, uh, your companies are going through with Series A, so you haven't had reason to give this much thought. What about Unicorn Mania? It seems like uh, most of these funds, you know, 500-plus seed funds, and that includes the pre-seed, post-seed, pre-series, everything, um, mm-hmm. everybody is looking for unicorns. Now, unicorns, by definition, are rare. How can you have that many unicorns? 
And are you looking for unicorns only? Are we looking for unicorns only? I mean, obviously we want our, our companies to hit that stage. Um, I mean, we're looking for companies that obviously can be billion-dollar companies. I mean, that's subjective of any sort of uh, VC investor. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's what we are looking for, but it's not like – well, as a seed fund, I think our, our metrics are a little different than a fund. So even if our, you know, we put in money at the seed stage and there's an exit at $100 million plus, it's actually good for our fund, right? So it's well, that's my like point. You know, 500 yes. seed funds cannot look for, you know, several unicorns each and expect yeah, yeah. to hit them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so what I'm saying is the objective is different, I think, for seed funds versus Series A funds, right? Yeah. Because I know established seed funds here in Silicon Valley that have been around obviously much longer than us, and they've done very well like I said, just sort of hitting doubles and triples. Like they've exactly. returned, they returned their fund and way beyond uh, by Absolutely. doing that. So, yeah, yeah, so there's different approaches, of course. And, and, and the real determining factor there is whether you're going to take uh, opportunities that have not billion-dollar TAMs, but, you know, smaller TAMs. And, and, and that TAM could be 250 million, it could be 300 million, it could be 500 million. Sometimes there are 100 million TAMs that also return reasonable exits and, and because strategics want to go into that market. And, and, and those, I think, are perfectly fine opportunities for seed funds to invest in. Yes, yes, and that's what we do. We do. I mean, that's the first question we ask as a seed fund. I think more than like traditional Series A, B funds is, can this company get acquired, you know, and who would acquire them, right? So it doesn't always have to be like this unicorn exit, like you said. If it's like $100 million plus, you know, it's a good return on our fund, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, the other observation I have is that since we're in 2017, lots of stuff have already been built. And there aren't that many wide-open unicorn-style opportunities out there, but there are many, many niche opportunities. So some of these businesses need to be built for very small amounts of capital, let's say one or two million. And if you build a company for one or two million and sell it for even 10, 15, 20 million, you still hit significant multiples. Um, so are, are you saying you think the the – there's sort of what gaps in innovation or opportunities are shrinking or no what i'm asking is whether you have appetite for these kinds of opportunities because there are i've I'm, i've talked to some investors who are actually zeroing in on uh, zeroing in on some of these opportunities of very capital efficient businesses that are exited for small multiples um i'm i'm asking if this is something that you guys are looking into um, I, I think it's what I said before. It's, it's not. It's not probably like twenty, thirty million dollar exits, but if it's like hundred million plus, that, that's what we look at. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, that was, you know, it was a very good overview into your activities, and uh, thank you for uh, participating. Thank you, listeners, for listening. If you're enjoying the shows. Please go to iTunes and review the podcast, and we will talk to you soon with another edition of the 1M by 1M podcast. Thank you very much for participating. Thank you.